Hey, what's up everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby and you are now listening to or watching the Powercast and today we will be recapping Power Book 2 Ghost Season 3 Episode 2 and the title of this episode is Need versus Greed and I am joined today by Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing uh, Richard aka Lorenzo's Therapist? Uh, I'm doing a lot better than Lorenzo, but shout outs <laughs> to him. Uh, yes, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, uh, viewers. Looking forward to talking about power today. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And uh, I'm also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie, a.k.a. Lorenzo's lying ass. I guess I guess that's why he needs a therapist. <laughs> but, but yeah, how are you, Dana? <laughs> I am, aside from a cold, I'm doing okay. Oh gosh, and my voice, so sorry about that. But I'm doing okay, I'm excited to talk about this episode. Just overall, I'm excited about power because it managed to be much different than previous seasons. Oh yeah, it's definitely different. And um, yeah, I, I hope, uh, I wish you well. I hope you get better soon. It's not nice having a you know sore throat and everything like that, so. I hope you do recover soon. Um, yeah, so uh, last week was our first episode back. And, you know, I just want to say thanks for all the, the love and, and uh, the care that the people showed us with the comments and everything, like a lot of returning faces. That was good to see. Uh, a lot of great thoughts and theories. So, yeah, this is what makes this this show great, you know, seeing the, the whole discussion and people chiming in and let, letting us know what they think. Uh, this is what we love to see. So thank you all for that. Um, and yeah, we're going to get right into our takeaways in a sec. But, you know, just a quick reminder, do leave your comments. You know, if you hear something, you hear us say something that you have a thought or opinion about, just drop a comment. You know, we don't mind you leaving more more than one comment at all. So, you know, leave as many as you like. Um, and we, we'll try to respond to all of them as well. Um, please do also hit the subscribe button and hit the bell, you know, and hit the like button also. That's very important. And you can also take take your time to uh, check out some of the other content. Now, last week, when the last episode dropped, we actually dropped three reviews in one night, basically, uh, uh, or, or within a day, you know, because we had the Snowfall Aftermath. We had uh, the BMF uh, finale recap, you know, on the Coalition Entertainment channel. And we had the power cards. So, you know, that is a lot of content, you know, um, in, in one day. So uh, please do, you know, we, we don't we don't ask anyone to pay for anything. But if you if you enjoy the content, please do hit the like button and engage with the content and support the other channels, too, because there will be a lot more content incoming from all of us. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, just a little house house cleaning there. But. Let's not delay. Let's get right into the episode because there's so much to discuss. Uh, it was a very entertaining episode. A lot happened. Um, and, you know, this week it is Mr. Richard Bailey Jr.'s turn to go first with the takeaways. 
So please do hit us with your takeaways. Absolutely. So uh, just to, to quote what Gary said, I did think this was an interesting episode as well. Uh, I have two main takeaways that I want to get into. Uh, but before I get to those takeaways, there's a few quick notes that I want to mention about the episode. Now, obviously, the major thing we found out last week was that Lauren is still alive. Uh, they go and they describe how she survived. But then they also reveal that she knows that Effie is the one that tried to kill her. Now, I just want to say that was a very poor attempt at killing somebody by Effie because you can see when she pushed the car into the ocean, the car had, you know, it hadn't even drowned yet. It wasn't sinking to the bottom of the ground. So it's very easy and believable that somebody would find that and rescue the person inside. So that was a very bad job by Effie. We'll see what happens to her later as a result of that. But the fact that Lauren knows that she was involved, uh, that's not good for her character moving forward, I would say. Um, we also know in this episode that Noma is, she's actually in Paris. So that explains why she's not in the episode at all. But we do also get an idea of what uh, Lorenzo, I'm going to say, I mean, uh, we get an idea of what Kane, uh, Effie, Brayden, and Tariq's plan is to actually move the drugs and bring in the profits. And pretty much the plan is that Kane, Lorenzo, and Drew, they're going to focus on the streets. Uh, you know, uh, Effie and Tariq are going to focus on the Ivy League schools. And Braden was going to focus on the country clubs, you know, basically selling the product there. Now, he also tells Tariq, listen, we have an opportunity with Westing Holdings because obviously the traders, they do a lot of drugs. We saw a little bit of that in the previous episode. We see more of it in this episode. So he's telling them that's an opportunity. And of course, Tariq does not like that idea because of all that happened with Course Correct last season. But... Again, to quote our very good friend, Mr. Gary A. Swaby, things move very fast on this show. So at the beginning of the episode, Tariq tells him that's not a good idea. By the midway point to, to near the end of the episode, it completely changes. He said, you know what? Yeah, this is an awesome opportunity. We must pursue this. But we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But yeah, pretty much one thing I do want to give them credit on as far as their, their whole plan they have this personal trainer in this episode that pretty much he is working as the plug. Basically, he works with all of the, uh, you know, the people who request appointments. He gives them the caffeine and the powder pills. He leaves it at their gym lockers, uh, you know, after a workout or whatever. So I like the idea of how they explain that whole process because, again, you know, Braden makes mention of the comment that working at this company you know it's a high turnover rate and pretty much the company tries to get as much as they can out of their workers so therefore they are stressed out they're always doing all this crazy stuff to keep the momentum going i think that was an excellent way to explain why they use drugs so much and why they're always relying on all these different products to put into their bodies so i have to give them credit on that explanation because it makes sense so but pretty much that's the gist of what we are basically dealing with in this episode. Now, going into the two takeaways, I want to focus on the Westons and the Tejada family. Now, in this episode, as I mentioned, Brandon does give Tariq the idea of basically approaching all of the people that are the traders that are actually working at the company and selling to them. Now, what I did find a little annoying about this episode, again, 
they had this whole interaction between Braden and Kiki. And we saw in the last episode, and I believe I said on here, either I said it in our last recap, or maybe I spoke about this off camera. I said, I'm about 100% certain that maybe Braden is going to hook up with Kiki. And we saw that in this episode. Now, the reason for the hookup, I guess they decided it's a good idea to bond these two characters over politics because that was essentially what happened. You know, when she saw there was a, a, another guy that was that was there doing an internship, he said some offensive things to her and Braden saw that as an opportunity to get payback and his reward for doing so immediately, he gets to hook up with Kiki. So, I mean, I knew they were going to have some type of relationship. I thought it happened ra rather quickly. So uh, we'll see what they're doing with that whole uh, angle that they took. But I also thought it was ridiculous that after all that happened with Tariq last season in the Westons, that somehow he is still given the opportunity to have an internship at Weston Holdings. Now, again, they did a decent job explaining and showing you how angry uh, Braden's father was. So I'll give them credit on that. They also are telling us that the, you obviously uh, his father's brother, who actually owns this company, we understand that he has a difference of opinion on how he judges people. And again, the whole incident that happened earlier in the episode involving Kiki and Braden and that guy getting, you know, let go, they basically were saying, yes, we have to show that we are a diverse company, so we cannot treat Tariq the exact same way. So I will give them some leeway as far as the explaining of that, but I think that's rather quickly, rather convenient that this guy is already working with the Westons again, and again, already back to selling products in the actual same place he's working. So again, though, I understand they have to move the storyline forward. They have to keep it exciting. So we'll see where they're going to go with all of this stuff. Uh, but pretty much that's the gist of what happens in this episode with Braden. But one other quick point I do want to mention the, about, the, about the internship is that we do find out at the beginning of this episode when Tariq goes to Tate because Tate is who he was supposed to be working with, having his intern with. He goes there and he finds that uh, their classmate from school, uh, I don't know how to really pronounce her name. I guess it's Broom Shielder or something to that degree. Uh, she pretty much has the internship now instead of Tariq. So we find out later in this episode that Braden, in exchange for giving Tate funds for his campaign, he pretty much is what set this whole thing up so he can work closer with Tariq again. Now, I cannot wait to see what happens when Tariq finds this information out. I imagine he may uh, have a fight with Braden to some extent, but uh, that shows you how a little underhanded uh, Braden can be with some things that he does. So let's see what happens as a result of that. So stay tuned for that, some drama to come. Going on to the final takeaway for this episode and I have to give a shout out to Dana because she has an excellent name. Uh, I, of course, as I said earlier, I am the therapist of Lorenzo. I have to say, I don't know what the hell Lorenzo was thinking in this episode when he decides to tell Kane, we need you, you need, you need to find Zeke's killer. And of course, it's smart for two reasons. Number one, because what they told us about Kane in the first season, right? When Tariq saw Kane. Tariq looked at Kane and said, you know, Kane is a bit of a hothead. He doesn't really take time to think things through, so I can outsmart him. In this episode, you see Kane's growth because 
he was able to find Mecca's pilot and he was able to identify that Lorenzo was there and he was the one that killed Zeke. So he took the extra steps in order to figure this stuff out. And I do want to take a moment to give a shout out to some of some of, some of our commenters, such as Jeremiah Lutumbo, because a lot of y'all correctly predicted that Kane was going to figure this out. So that's just excellent because I didn't see anything in the trailer to suggest that Kane would figure this out. So y'all are very intelligent and you know exactly what you're talking about with this show. So I got to give y'all props for that. But pretty much uh, to go back to what I was saying, the second point of why this whole thing with Kane is smart, right? For them to take this angle, because the first season, if you recall, there was a time where Kane had went to go visit Lorenzo at the jail and was talking very ill, very, you know, talking about his mom, Monet, you know, basically he was disappointed in her that she didn't know what she was doing. And Lorenzo didn't like how he was talking about his mom. So he had Kane beat up in that jail cell. Well, you know, when he went when he went there to visit him. Uh, so it feels like ever since then, you know, Kane has wanted to prove that he should be the one in charge. He has all the power and he hasn't been given the opportunity. Lorenzo always has been there making sure, saying, no, you're not ready for this. You're not ready for that. So I thought it was very well done for them to bring it here. So now that Lorenzo knows what really happened, he can basically use all this evidence against uh, I mean, Kane can use all this evidence against his father, Lorenzo, say, no, I own you and you're going to put me in charge now because you have no other choice and because I've earned it. So I, I was very happy to see that payoff because it feels as though we needed to see Kane get a one up on his father at some point. I'm glad that that happened in this episode. Obviously, there's going to be some other things that happen moving forward into the season, but I have to give them props for that. And the last thing I will mention in regards to uh, Lorenzo or AKA my client's plan is that I think it's very underhanded how he tried, how he basically got his, his other son Drew beat up just to try to save his own ass. It's just absolutely ridiculous the lengths that the character will go to, which is why I'm pretty sure something bad is gonna happen to him. And it also makes me even more excited to see what happens when Monet finally finds out the truth and what she actually is able to do to Lorenzo. But overall, uh, I thought it was a very inter entertaining episode. We do know that, uh, you know, Kevin Whitman, who was Gary's favorite character from last season, who was very obsessed with Carrie, this guy is now coming after Monet. And I like how obsessed this character is. But as I told Dana uh, off camera, this character will get killed this season. I'm about 100% certain of that. But hey, there's a lot of interesting things happening within the family, outside the family. A lot of stuff happening with Tariq and Brayden as well. So I thought it was a very good episode. Obviously, some stuff in the episode felt a little rushed, and I was a little critical of some things. But overall, I'm invested, and I want to see what happens next. So I can't wait to see what happens next week. Oh, yeah. Excellent takeaways. Um, no, uh, Whitman might be my my uh, least favorite character, actually. So, uh... <laughs> You had that just okay. a little wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, excellent takeaways. Um, and yeah, I I, uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, and and we'll definitely expand on some of that stuff a bit more, particularly with Kane uh, a little later. So, um, but yeah, uh, excellent stuff. Great observations as always. Um, but 
uh, I believe it is my turn now. Yeah, it's my turn now to uh, give my takeaways. So uh, I'll get right into it. So as Rich was just talking about, you know, um, with Brayden, um, you know, he spent a lot of this this episode kind of orchestrating, you know, his his new plan with Tariq. Um, you know, we we see by the end of the episode that he kind of planned for all of this to to happen to unfold like even going to Tate and giving contributions to him so that he could, um, you know, uh, change up the internship so that Tariq is, is out of the internship, basically. And then we saw the scene where he planted the seed in Tariq's head, you know, with Effie that he should come and work at the Western Holdings, uh, you know, office and stuff. And uh, as you said, Rich, that unfolded very quickly, but we, we do see Tariq, you know, he actually ends up working at uh you know uh the, the western holdings offices and um i i am glad that they put in the scene with uh brayden's father blowing up about this because obviously that was a big deal last season when uh brayden had to testify and he basically snitched on himself like he and uh he kind of um he uh he he, he basically expelled like uh tariq from the whole thing from the whole plan um so that tariq could be could go free basically um so his father wasn't very happy about that at all because he took a hit to his reputation um but yeah it just shows that Braden has a, a he's a very supportive friend to an extent i guess but um but yeah i i do like that they added the scene of his his father blowing up about it and then you had the uncle um kind of talking him down i think that was great to see that there's some sort of you know uh inner conflict in the family and that uh there's varying types of thought in the family as well so like while the father might believe one thing the the uncle believes another thing and i think that's good to see um in the family but uh then you you know we we see brayden also um he goes as far as to kind of uh have kiki um, you know, uh, basically switch up Tariq's plan for the day so that he has to go to that office and see the people talking, like basically taking drugs in the office and stuff. And he he specifically wanted Tariq to see that, you know, so that he would know that this is, these people actually take drugs here. So there's an opportunity to sell the drugs. Um, and then, you know, we go straight to the strip club scene where all the workers are hanging out you know, using drugs and taking pictures and doing whatever, you know, acting crazy. And then they have that in-depth conversation about the whole thing where Tariq basically agrees that this is going to be the new plan. This is what they're going to be doing. They're going to be, you know, um, and, and Weston, uh, Braden explains the whole uh, plan with the trainer, the body trainer or whatever, um, and how he sells the drugs through his, his uh, you know, whole his whole business or whatever. And then later on, we see that they take him out and just so they can kind of take over that whole business, uh, uh, which is that's going a bit far to like kill a whole guy, like, you know, just to take over. But I guess this is what happens. But um, it's just funny because he's a working guy. So it's like I have a question about that later on, but we'll, we'll, we'll speak more on that. But I just found that funny that, you know, they went to that extent to take over the guy's operation. But um but yeah, with Brayden, now th- this is my take on this. Like, I find that, you know, all of this calculation and all this manipulating that Brayden did to, to set up this situation 
it very much reminds me of what Ghost used to do to Tommy. And, you know, he used to do things like this where he would manipulate a whole situation to kind of send Tommy down a specific path and make him do what he wants. And this kind of reminded me of that. And um, I wonder if that is going to kind of come into play at some point, if it's going to backfire on Brayden. Um, we we do know that Lauren is alive now and um, Brayden was part of that plan to kind of get rid of her. So I do believe that, you know, there might be some friction between Brayden and Tariq later on once Tariq learns about some of the things Brayden has been doing behind his back. Um, I do think they, they are going to clash. But, you know, just seeing that, that you know, whole side of Brayden to, to kind of just orchestrate this whole thing to get Tariq on board, like, that was kind of interesting to see. And um, to me, it looks like um, Tariq was kind of playing second fiddle in, in this in this friendship a little bit. Like, he was kind of outshined a little bit, like, you know, and, and uh, one of the 48 laws of power is don't outshine the master. But Braden's looking like he's he's making boss moves right now, you know. So, and and we know the show is power, you know. It's all about power. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this di- power dynamic between the two plays out uh, in the rest of the season. But uh, but yeah, that was the first takeaway. Um, and uh, as far as Jenny uh, Jenny Sullivan and and Officer Whitman, you know, um, and Blanca. I will say this, even though these are very annoying characters sometimes, um, I do like that they kind of gave them more of a focus. So now we know that their goal is a Rico. And this kind of gives the whole investigation side of the show uh, a specific focus. We know now that they're trying to build an entire Rico case of all the characters. Uh, because, you know, one thing I'll say is that in previous, episodes, in pre- previous seasons of Power, it gets very confusing keeping up with what the investigators are doing. It's like, sometimes it feels like they've been investigating the same thing for like six seasons or something like, you know? Um, So (laughs) I like that they've kind of made this a bit more focused so that we know exactly what their goals are. They had the, the, the board, you know, the, um, the criminal board and everything. And they put Monet's picture next to Tariq. So now we know, like, these are the two kingpins, like, that they're trying to build the case off of. And now all they have to do is tie up all the connections and figure out all the ways they connect to each other and stuff like that and get all that evidence, I guess. So um, I like that they're they kind of doing that, like, you know, making it a bit more focused so that we can keep up with, with you know, the investigation. Because I, I feel like that will allow the writers to uh, build up more intense moments if we know how far along they're getting in the investigation and stuff like that it will lead to some tense situations later on i think um one thing i i am curious about is you know um uh, jenny sullivan and blanca because you know blanca used to be you know we we thought she was going to be like the main one to kind of head this investigation but it seems like jenny's like the one calling the shots right now um, in this whole thing. So I wonder how those two characters are going to kind of bounce off of each other as the show goes on and if, you know, how collaborative their efforts are going to be. Um, I do feel like they kind of, uh, Blanca's kind of, her, her, her reputation is kind of taken a hit a little bit because like 
at the end of the last season, it felt like, wow, she, you know, she, it just felt like she knew more than she was letting on or something like, like she had an ace in the hole, like she had something in her back pocket, but now it feels like she's gone back a little bit and she doesn't really know that much. Like she doesn't know as much as we thought she knew. Um, So yeah, I'm wondering what she is actually going to bring to this. I mean, I guess she could be the one um, to balance out Whitman a little bit because we we see that Whitman is he's basically making um, you know dick moves like uh, breaking Monet's uh, window and stuff like that. Like he's 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 playing the bad cop. You know, he's the bad cop in the situation. So maybe uh, Blanco will be the one that goes out and interacts with the characters, but she's like the more compassionate cop. Um, so maybe she she's there to kind of balance that situation out, but. Uh, yeah, I do like that. It is a bit more focused, and then you have the whole dynamic with Sax as well. On top of that, where he's kind of got this relationship with uh, Jenny Sullivan, and he's trying to find out some things to help Davis, and but at the same time, he could also he could also um, you know stab Davis in the back and actually help Jenny instead. So he's kind of you know floating back and forth um, there, and. Uh, uh, shouts to Inga 71 as well because uh, I, I like that comment she made where she was like Sax never goes away he's outlasted every character in power like he, he's he's gonna be in power forever basically like because he's he's the one that stayed there like the whole time and uh we can never get rid of this character so yeah I, I do believe he we're gonna see a lot more of Sax he's not going anywhere but uh my final takeaway um is you know your boy Kane he he pulled a major power move uh this week and uh I like what you said Rich about you know he kind of shows he kind of showed how far he's come because like you know when when Lorenzo told him he gave him that order to to find Zeke's killer or whatever because he doesn't he doesn't think that he's ready to lead the family or whatever um he he showed like he showed his capability you know when he went to find the pilots and everything and uh he tortured them he got the information he needed and then he even made a calculated move to kind of use the 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 guap gang member dude uh, the one who spray painted nwo on on uh drew's back however you know um <laughs> he he even made a calculated move to uh, to find him and 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 basically set him up as like this is Zeke's killer, you know. Uh, he took out the whole gang and he was like, "This is Zeke's killer." Um, and you know he had Monet kill him and everything, take him out, and he showed her the chain and the ring, you know Zeke's ring. Um, so yeah, like even that, just making that decision shows that he's thinking. Like he's like, you know, I I I, I want to protect. Monet from the the knowledge that I have that Lorenzo is the one that killed Zeke and then you know he confronts Lorenzo himself and he's like you know I know I know what you did and now I'm you know I am the one that's going to lead the family and you have to do what I I say you know basically and now you're going to be the one that's selling this weight for Noma like you're going to you're going to go out and sell this and bring me back the money like so I like that move he did like that he played, and I think it's going to be very entertainment, uh, very entertaining from this moment forward to see the interactions between Kane and Lorenzo. Because 
I can just picture like, you know, one of uh, Dana's favorite dinner scenes happening where it's like, you know, a few of them at the table and Kane's kind of teasing, you know, the situation, like he's kind of letting certain things slip. Like, oh, dad, remember when your tail light was out and you fixed it? Like just kind of taunting him while Monet's there (laughs) just to keep him in line. Like that's going to be hilarious like to see. So um, I can't wait to see, you know, how exactly he's going to play that. Uh, But yeah, it is good to see that he's kind of taking his leadership in the family. But I do think he is going to be challenged on that a little bit. And uh, we'll get into that in a little bit with our, with our discussions, with our questions and discussions. But, but yeah, overall, um, what I'll say about this episode is because I watched it twice. The first time I watched it, I was like, eh, it wasn't that good. But the second time I watched it, I enjoyed it a bit more. So, you know, I guess the second watch, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I had to get used to the new kind of style because it has changed quite a little bit from uh, since this, the new showrunner. But once I got used to the pace, I think I I enjoyed it a bit more. So, yeah, second time I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I'll say that. Um, but, yeah, that is my takeaways. And um, we are going to get right to Miss Dana Abercrombie because I'm very curious to hear what she has to say now. So take it away, Dana. Okay, so um, for me kind of jumping off of what you guys said about Kane. I loved what happened with this. I do feel that this season is going to be more about the underdog story. The characters who we thought were just doing other people's biddings are actually going to stand up this season and and be the driving force. We saw this with Brayden orchestrating basically everything and manipulating Tariq so that not only does he work for him, will work for the family, but also they they sell the drugs. It's a very smart move Um, with him, you know, giving him this idea and putting it in his head. And then remember when they were at the strip club, Tariq, it seemed, it made it seem like Tariq just magically thought of this on on his own. And sometimes that's the best way to manipulate someone is to make them think that that's their own idea. Because he was like, yeah, and then we could sell it on this, and we could do that. Like, he came up with this, his own revelation. So Tariq is very smart with doing that. I, I really like that. Um, also, to me, I liked the fast pace of it because this seemed to mimic the style of Wall Street. Wall Street, you know, buy, 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 sell, 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 dump, dump, dump. So it mimicked that very well. I didn't have, didn't have any issues with it. Um, I didn't feel like, you know, when you were going to say things came too convenient. Tariq already knows the family and the family knows Tariq, vice versa. And then also this is to show you need, you need, it's to show that you need someone of privilege in your life to just be able to help you and to get you into doors that you normally wouldn't have gotten into. So yay for Braden. You know, he is using that privilege and he is helping Tariq, even though technically it's also to help himself so he, he doesn't die by Monet. I thought it was really interesting with Monique. Um, remember how she killed the girl in the first episode for calling her Monet? And then now in this episode, the British guy is just throwing her name all about. So I thought that was funny. Um, but to kind of go off with the, the, the second one, you know, the biggest lesson was need versus greed. And we find that a lot of the characters, such as Effie and Lauren, they kind of bond over 
still struggling to, you know, to support themselves in college. Uh, it was really interesting. So we have that need versus greed of her, her needing money as opposed to her being greedy. You know, the reason why a lot of people go into this drug business is like, yes, it's, we need money. But then after a while, you have such an overabundance. You still keep needing it. She is at that moment right now where she needs this money. But we have other characters who is all about greed. So I like that. And I also like the uh, Effie as well. Also, so that book bombing thing, that's very true. I graduated from college and like 90% of your budget will go to books. And it's not like, oh, $50 here. It will easily be 150 200 for one book. So that struggle was real. We, we used to set up a network where we would have one person buy the book and they would create photocopies for everyone else and then sell it. So smart strategy, if you are in college, in school, I know everything's probably all digital now, but copy and then sell those copies. It, it worked. Um, so that part was really interesting. Also with the family dynamic um, of them not wanting to be viewed as racist. Trace, of course, coming in with like the whole June, what was it, Juneteenth? Well, we'll get Juneteenth off. You know, so that was funny. Um, but also the whole thing with Lorenzo. Lorenzo, you know, he was always as the ruler of the family. Even when he was in jail, you kind of saw Monet, you know, she, she viewed him with this, I have to do everything that Lorenzo is saying. And the family had to act with Lorenzo. And now to see him get completely knocked down because of his, you could say his own ego and thinking that his kid was just stupid. Um, so I really like to see Maybe this is this will be the start of the downfall of um, Lorenzo from just his own ego. Yes, what he did was an accident. I think Monet would have killed him either way. Even if he confessed, she would have killed him. But to set it up and, and to think that your child was so stupid. So to see that dynamic shift of now he has to basically um, do everything that uh, Kane tells him to. I thought that was hilarious. I still want my dinner scene, but overall, that is hilarious. Um, another thing that was interesting was the um, the fact that Monet, we had the, the, what was the woman's name? Evelyn came back. Um, Evelyn came back into her life, you know, as thank you for taking care of me when my, I think it was the husband was killed. Um, and she was, you know, she gave her some money and made sure she was okay. But when, not only when she came back and gave her the money, she also made it known that her son has a spot in Brooklyn. And I took that as this wasn't something that was <coughs> illegal. Here is a, a, a barber shop. This was a, a spot that was, you know, where you can move your drugs and, and do stuff with. And right now, that is what they need. Even though Monet wants to, she stated that she wanted to get completely out of the game. This is something that they need. So I do see Evelyn coming back and being a character of importance for season three, hopefully. Um, so that, and then also we still have the fact that, um, that the Tate situation, you know, Tate, that goes again with need and greed. Him being greedy, again, I don't think that he needs to be a, a councilman or whatever it is that he's running for. I kind of had this discussion with you earlier. We're trying to figure out what political party he's running for. Um, 
But the fact is that I don't think he has this need. I think it's more of a greed so that he can get more connections, you know, get more money flowing to him. We look at the campaign thing. Yes, you need the money in order to run a campaign. But I think that he may also be someone who would funnel some of that money to himself as well. We all know he is not a straight and narrow good politician in that. Um, which is really interesting is also is how he could easily be bought and sold. You know, they had the whole situation with Tariq. Um, then also we have later on the whole situation where he needs to find a wife. So I'm wondering how that is going to come into play. Will she be able to, whomever it is, is she going to start manipulating him? Because this is something that he's greedy about, not necessarily a necessity because I genuinely care about the people. This is all him just being greedy overall. And then kind of lastly, I just wanted to say that um, I am slightly, I think that was probably everything. Wait, the Everett situation. I think Everett going with need and greed, I think he's being extremely selfish. I understand that, you know, he, he, he wants his man there. He wants his by his side. He's asking for so much from him. And it seems to me that Drew wants a kind of assurance. What are we? You know, you want me to come. I'm your man, but you're not going to announce it to the public. From my understanding, well, this is what is it, 2022, maybe 21. I don't think it's 23 in the in the year of the show of the timeline. But the point is, we're still modern times. So I don't think that it's going to be this huge, massive deal of him coming out as gay. Because remember, he wanted to keep him secret because he didn't want the relationship to be known that he's gay. I don't think that that is a big thing. Now he's going to OKC, which I think is uh, Kentucky. I don't know. I've, I I don't know labels. Is it Kentucky? Oklahoma. 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 Well, damn. Yeah. Never mind. Um, well, um, yeah. But um, the point is, I feel that he's asking <coughs> for so much, and that he's gotten so angry that he's letting. Maybe his selfishness overrides the relationship because remember when he came back to him, he was all bruised up. He's like, look at me. I, I got my butt kicked. And he's like, I don't care. He wasn't there for me. And I thought it was a bit overdramatic. And I thought it was selfish on his part because it wasn't like um, some type of BS story or I missed it because I fell asleep or I missed it because I genuinely don't care. He got jumped. So I kind of thought that that was a little selfish with him and also it all it shows another way how drew is easily distracted if you look at kane he's very focused he knows what he wants he's trying to accomplish it and he's not letting anyone kind of ruin that so you kind of can see as to me when we had this discussion i think in season one that drew was just i don't understand why drew was made to be in the main position to me he never showcased any form of a backbone even when they did that whole, remember that was a beautiful sequence of the guap situation. And then we had another sequence when they was in like, it was that white room with the airplanes and the way how the blood spilled. It was like beautiful cinematography. But to me, it just felt like Drew still has never had a backbone backbone. He always seemed like he really didn't want to do this and he was just following orders. So with that said, I can see him drifting further away from the family. I mean, granted, he was the one who shoved the, the white dude, the, the gym locker dude into the truck. But at the same time, his heart is not in it. 
and Kane's heart is in it. And I think we're, we're going to start seeing a swap of place. They're going to start swapping. So that's overall, that's what I have to say about the episode. I liked it. I thought it was great. And then we'll talk later on about Monet because I have a thing about that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's lots to say about Monet. But uh, yeah, excellent takeaways. And yeah, I do agree. Like Everett's kind of acting a little needy, like a little uh, selfish at times. Like So yeah, I definitely um, agree on that on that point. But go ahead, Rich. Yeah, point I was going to say that that goes that perfectly lines over what Dana said, the need versus greed. So yeah, needy. That that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yep. he, he was neat. <laughs> need and greed. But um yeah, so that, that was our takeaways. Um definitely, you know, people let us know your comments, let us know what you think about all of the points we've mentioned so far. Um and you know, hit the like button and hit the subscribe and the bell also. But we are going to transition and get straight into our questions and takeaways now because there is a lot to discuss. And I believe uh, both of you also have uh, some things that you want to uh, mention in a little bit. So, um, yeah, let's uh, uh, we, we, we could start so many places. Let me see. Um, OK, so since since Dana just mentioned her Monet, let's start with Monet. Um, so we see that in this episode, you know, she's still kind of brooding a little bit and, um, you know, uh, uh, Davis McLean also came over to kind of let her, let her know the police report, you know, and, and, and basically tell her where their investigation has led them. And, um, it seems like there's not really many leads. And then, you know, we see, uh, also that Kane and Lorenzo have their, their, their whole dispute and then, Lorenzo tells him to find the killer and everything like that uh, in a very arrogant way because he knows that he is the killer. But yeah. Um, and then later on, <laughs> we, we see that Kane, um, you know, he, he gets the GTG guy, the, the guap dude, and um, he's at the bar and everything. And then he, he lays it out for Monet and tells her, you know, he's got, uh, he's got um, Drew's chain and, Zeke's ring, you know, he was, he was carrying it, so he is the killer. And then she shoots him, you know, Monet shoots the, the, the gang member and kills him. So if she is to believe what Kane has told her, you know, she is under the assumption that she has killed Zeke's killer now. So I wanted to ask you guys, where, where will her head be at now? You know, uh, do you think she's going to feel any kind of relief um, that she, you know, killed the uh Zeke's killer or um yeah will will she even buy that story or do you think that her motherly instinct is going to tell her that something more happened you know so let me know what you think of that basically and I'll go to you first Dana what do you think okay so remember when Davis McLean came in and he was reading the the file to her and he said that the assumption was the same person who killed Zeke also killed Mecca. And she really didn't say anything. Wasn't it Monet who killed Mecca? So therefore, she knows that's BS. So I feel that while she is sitting and stirring and stewing and looking like that, I think she's also thinking. And the fact that 
he came in and gave that information and she knows who the real killer of Mecca is, she is going to start turning the wheels a little bit more. And I think that what she's putting on in terms of that guy may be for show. I don't think she's showing her full cards right now. I think that she as well is thinking. Now, whether or not she gets to the point where it is Lorenzo, we have to wait and see for that. But if she does know it's Lorenzo, you, the, the pain that she may also feel for that as well. I think she's also juggling the fact of guilt. Because remember, the whole guilt of the, the son and the origin of where he actually was. She's also upset that the fact that, to me, it always felt like Zeke was always their meal ticket. Yes, you can. So we had this discussion before. Yes, he loves, he left his son, he loves him. But it's also is the meal ticket. And now she has to go back into the life that she doesn't want. And now she also knows that her family may be grimy in terms of who killed her son. Um, so I feel that she's just playing it really close to the chest. When she shot the guy, she just, you know, that was something that was reactionary, as we all know. I think that she was listening what was going on the conversation that Lorenzo had was like, yeah, and I found the chain and I found this. Remember, it was Kane who said, oh, it was in the box where she can't bear to, to open. I think she knows the contents of that box, which is why she can't open the box. I think she knows exactly what her son was wearing and with, you know, that, that ring that he had. I think that after he died, wouldn't you as a parent, you know, always scroll and look at his IG page or Facebook or whatever social media it is just to see him in a different, you know what I mean? Like I've got a remembrance of, you know, that was my boy. Look at him and always go through the different pictures. And also, if you think someone murdered your son, aren't you also going to investigate and look through pictures and IG as well? So I think she knows. I think she's just biding her time until we get my dinner soon. Because all I want is dinner. <coughs> but that's that's how I feel about that. <coughs> Sorry. Oh no, you're fine. Yeah, I, uh, I I I agree that her intuition is probably telling her that you know there's more to this and that she she didn't actually kill the killer. Uh, I do I do believe she has some kind of uh, you know internal belief that that you know there's more to the story. Um, and then also, you know, we we had this the scene where uh, where Whitman pulled her over, and she kind of learned something about Zeke in that moment, where he actually spoke to Whitman about her and stuff. So she's she's gathering all these little clues, and I think eventually it's going to lead her down the right path. But um, Rich, what do you think about you know Monet and and the fact that she's killed? Uh, she supposedly killed the killer. Uh, I think that Dana had an excellent observation. Uh, you, you as well, Gary. I, I agree with the both of you. I, I feel like her intuition is telling her that there's a lot more to this. And then even before they even had a chance to kill, I believe the guy's name is International Guap, whatever his name is. Even before they killed him. Remember when she was talking with David, she said, I need you to find more information. So I kind of feel like even if for a second it may seem as though she's satisfied, Davis will probably come back to her at some point, say that he found something else. 
And then that's going to completely undo everything as far as them killing the squap guy. And then she's going to be right back to square one. But I, I, I do think, like Dana said, she knows that this this goes deeper beyond the person that they killed, that somebody else was involved. So I, I definitely am waiting to see when that moment happens. I do agree with Dana. It would be excellent to see a dinner scene. I don't know if it's going to be the same as last season, but I, yeah, hopefully whatever they do as far as that reveal is just as exciting though, for sure. But there's no way that she thinks that it's over after this. I know they think it, I know, I know Kane thinks it's over and Lorenzo, but it's not over. <laughs> they, 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 they can top the dinner scene by, in my mind, she knows all this information. They all sitting at the table. They then we that's when we get into the whole in-house fighting thing. She grabs the butcher knife, stabs Lorenzo to death. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that could totally happen. I mean, there there, there is that funeral scene, um, I think, in the trailer. So uh I wonder who that's gonna be for, you know. Uh, yeah, it can't be Zeke, because he'd been done dead. I thought it was Zeke. I I also thought it was Zeke. Uh yeah, and, and it looked like something happens at the funeral, too. It's a shootout also that happens. So I don't know who it is that they're actually, you know, putting to rest, but we'll probably find out in the next couple of weeks, I would say. <gasps> what if it's Tasha? Yeah, I... Wait, who? Oh, that, that would be Tasha. interesting. But, but why would the why would it the Harder family? I, I feel no, like no, it's Lorenzo. No, no. I feel it, like it, it's it, Lorenzo. Yeah, it, it's, it's somebody. It's, 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 a, it's definitely a family a family member. Um, if it's not Zeke, Drew, yeah, suicide. No, I think I think I think Drew, I think Drew was Drew was in the scene. Drew, Drew, we saw Drew, we oh. saw uh Lorenzo, and you know we saw Drew and we saw Kane. So Lorenzo, I don't recall seeing him. I would have to go back and watch the trailer again. I'm pretty sure uh, the people who always leave excellent comments they also saw that trailer, so they may be able to also give their thoughts as to who it was. But uh, Lorenzo or, or uh, Zeke. Say what? <laughs> it's, it's Lauren's funeral. They finally put her to rest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I don't know about that, but I will say what you said about Effie. Yeah, it looked like Effie better plan for her own funeral if Lauren uh, gets out <laughs> and reveals that this is the person that tried to kill me. So um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I I do believe that Lorenzo's clock is ticking though, and. Um, I, I think, you know, it's only a matter of time before Monet learns the truth of the situation. And uh, we, we know that she she's, you know, she is going to snap when she finds out. Like, she's not going to be favorable to Lorenzo. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen she she's had many other lovers um, in the show. You know, she's had Ramirez. She's had uh, uh, Mecca. So I don't believe she loves him that much. So, yeah, she he, she's going to catch her body. Like when she finds out, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Can can I just say, you know, a lot of times, you know, on this particular show, as well as the last one, anytime y'all mention uh, Kevin Whitman, I have to laugh because the actor is very good at looking like he's paranoid and he has an obsession with Monet. That's why I said I feel the character is going to get taken out. And I also find it funny how he is the one that appears as though he is the driving force behind this investigation. Because you saw in this episode, he was the one that said, wait a second, to Jenny and Blanca, you guys are not looking at the whole picture. 
Monet Tejada is behind all of this. But his obsession, I say it's funny to watch, but uh, that character is definitely going to get taken out. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like Kane is, is crazy enough to take out, you know, an officer. Because, I mean, he has already, you know, he took out Ramirez. Um, he also took out Jabari, who's a teacher. Like, so I, I feel like he he's the one wild card who would kill anyone. So I he feel like it. He... Jabari needed it. <laughs> yeah, just... He was so thirsty. Like it was just ill. Hey, hey. I fought that one. Need need versus greed again. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we we needed that to happen for sure. Um. But yeah, so uh, that's that. Uh, so let, let's let's talk about Kane a little bit. Then, so you know, do you think that this is Kane's time to shine now, or do you feel like you know Lorenzo might have? Uh, you know, do, do you think Lorenzo could play play his own cards and kind of get a one up on Kane in this situation, or will he possibly try and use Drew? to kind of get over on Kane a little bit because we know that he was trying to position Drew as the leader of the family at one point in time. Um, but now, you know, Kane has this leverage over over Lorenzo. So do you think he has, like, some kind of backup plan? Or how is he even going to act, you know, in the next episode, do you think? So I'll go to you first this time, Rich. What do you think? Uh, that's a great question, Gary. Um, I don't think that Lorenzo has a backup plan for now. He looked pretty shell-shocked and surprised at the end of this episode. So he has to try to take some time to regroup and rethink of how he can get, you know, get payback on his son. But again, he's dead to rights. So unless he thinks of something, uh, I, I, I see Kane being the one that he's going to listen to whatever Kane says, and, and that's it. And again, like you said, Gary, I can't wait for the entertaining dinner conversations where Kane talks about a broken taillight or whatever, because that is 100% going to happen. I think we can all agree that's probably going to happen. He's going to definitely throw hints out there. But uh, I don't think that Lorenzo has figured out how he's going to retaliate quite yet. And he may not ever. But what I do, what I will say, though, is, and this is what makes this a complex situation, is that once again, like I had mentioned on the last week's show, we know that Diana is the closest to Lorenzo. So if something happens to Lorenzo, that'll cause an issue within the family among the kids. Diana, especially if she knows that Kane was involved or Monet was involved. So I that's why I say I, I'm very curious to see how they handle that. Whenever Lorenzo's time is up and who was responsible, I, I want to see how they handle that because it's going to cause issues in the family. I think we can all agree Diana is not on the best of terms with Monet right now. Uh, so let's see what happens. But uh, I don't think Lorenzo has really figured out this out because, again, he, he didn't think that Kane was going to figure it out this quickly. He thought I'm pretty sure he thought Kane would never figure it out. But now that Kane has, well, now he has to deal with the consequences. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, good points. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see uh how Kane chooses to mock Lorenzo uh when, when Monet's around. That's that's gonna be so hilarious. Uh but I also wonder, like, I wonder if if Kane is going to make like a big production out of him being the leader, like 
because one thing he could do is he could tell Lorenzo to call a meeting with the family and let Monet and Drew know that um, Kane is going to be in charge from now on. You know, he could he could make Lorenzo do that. So I wonder if he is going to do something like that, you know, because that's that's like the ultimate power move. But um, Dana, what do you think? Uh, is, is this Kane's time to shine? And what do you think Lorenzo's uh, plan is going to be, you know, to kind of get out of this situation? Well, from a writing aspect, you have to have Lorenzo have some time to shine. And not Lorenzo, Kane have some time to shine. I mean, he has to play with him a little bit. This is hilarious. I mean, he's basically abused his child ever since he came out of prison. Why not abuse back? And then also look at it this way. What does uh, Kane have to lose? Literally, what does he have to lose? He's holding all of the cards. You know, he easily can say, you killed my brother or nephew brother I'm not sure how it goes biologically but you killed my brother you know you framed up this you framed that and even if you know you have Diana sticking up for him how exactly can you combat she killed he killed you know the the son the cousin brother so to me it doesn't really seem like he would have anyone on his side unless he starts recruiting from the outside but who exactly in the family is going to be on his side? No one. It sure is not going to be Monet, and it's not going to be any of the, of the cops. So he has everything to lose right now, and Kane has the best hand that you can ever ask for, unless this becomes a situation <coughs> where Lorenzo feels that the only way for him to survive this is to kill Kane. And then that's the whole thing. Maybe that's what the shootout was for. Maybe it is at someone's funeral and then and, and something happens between them. I mean, remember at the very beginning that they hired the, that Kane hired the Jamaican boys to help with distributing the drugs. So maybe they come into play later on. I, I hope that, you know, yep. Oh, no, I was just going to add, uh, I just had a thought as to who potentially is involved with that shootout. Um, Obviously, we know that Lorenzo hired International Guap to do this whole setup, right? There could be some more people that he has that were working with him or part of that organization that hear about this, and now they want revenge. So that could be possibly who was coming after them because Lorenzo set this up, you know, because he set this up, and then the guy gets killed. But then there's consequences to that action as well. So I, I thought about that when you mentioned the Jamaicans, too. So that is possible, yeah. I guess. He said he was in Puerto Rico at the time. So who are his people in Puerto Rico? Yep. So you have Very that situation, point. and then you can have the you have the um, what was it the the Jamaicans coming out as well, and then you also as maybe is like I need some help. Noma's people can come in with that British guy who hates them, because at the moment they need, in order to fulfill their greed, she needs him. She needs those boys, and that little girl. So. She can have come in and old people look like they're very professional. And what did we see? Even though it was a glimpse in that trailer, those were some real high-tech guns. This wasn't some cute little pow, pow, pow. These were high-tech guns. So maybe that. And then you give me my spinoff in the UK. So I'm happy. So that's how that works. But right now, I, Lorenzo has zero leverage, literally nothing. Like what, what exactly can he do? That doesn't require him outing himself. That require doesn't require for him to, to for Monet to 
figure this out if she doesn't already know. So, yeah, it's all Kane. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We do, we do need to see Kane in charge for a little bit, but I, I think um, Lorenzo's definitely a slimy kind of character, so I, I think he's going to uh, try and do some manipulating. And I, I feel like he's going to use Drew. Like, he's going to try and do something to sabotage uh, Kane's plans using Drew somehow, I, I feel like. Um, Drew has no backbone. So is he really manipulating him? He has literally no backbone. And Kane, this entire thing, I've never really seen him be manipulative in that sense. I just seen him be angry because no one has any trust or faith in him. So when he went and split off from the family, what was it? In the previous season, I remember how he was upset that Mecca, he teamed with Mecca to kill Lorenzo originally. That that right there shows that he has initiative to do something. Meanwhile, Drew is poo-pooing of a dude that don't that, that he doesn't really want him. Ask somebody that claims you. He, he won't even claim him. So, <laughs> ew, yeah. throw Drew away. Like no offense to Drew, but he never wanted to be in the family. You push one guy, congratulations. You did what you have. You had to do with Guap. That was a big thing. Congratulations, but. You poo pooing over some dude that don't want to leave. That he's leaving the OKC. He don't want you. Yeah, but I I feel like that could be the weak point that Lorenzo tries to exploit because if if you if you uh look back in the episode, like Kane is always kind of taunting Drew over that, like saying that he's you know he's spending time with Everett or. You know, uh, he wasn't doing what he's supposed to be doing because he's, you know, going to see Everett or whatever. So he was taunting him about that throughout the whole episode. So that is a point of tension that already exists between the two brothers. And I feel like Lorenzo will try to exploit that. Um, I do think it will backfire, though. I think in the end, it will backfire. And um, Drew and Kane will choose each other as brothers. You know, they'll that that bond will always be thicker, I think. But I do think that, you know, in the short term, Lorenzo could kind of cause some problems, uh, you know, through Drew. But that's just that's just my, you know, opinions. Might not happen. But we'll see. But uh, any any uh, final thoughts on that before we get to the next topic? No, can't never lie. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rich, you got any? You got anything? Oh no. Um, we'll see what happens. It's it's going to be very interesting. But I, I do agree. That's a very good theory, Gary. That he could try to turn the brothers against each other. Um, but I do agree that we need to give Kane his time to shine. Uh, Lorenzo is going to try some stuff, though. I, I have no idea what he's going to try yet, though. But we'll find out. I, I would assume in the weeks ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tariq is the wild card because remember Monet went to Tariq and said, "Find my my boy's killer." Essentially, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, Last so yep. we have where well, that's the wild card. We don't know what side he's going to be on. And remember, Lorenzo was very adamant this episode. I'm not working for Noma. That is what he said. He so that, that with Lor- yeah, he did say that. That with Kane is involved with Noma. Tariq, we don't know. He, again, he's the wild card. He's trying to get into Monet's good graces again, even though right now she's not a thought. But somewhere in the back, he's trying to get to that good graces because they need each other at that moment. 
So I believe that. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, that's a very good observation because when they had that conversation, she did mention, I probably trust you the most because they were together when, when, when Mecca got, when, when she killed Mecca. So I, yeah, I think, uh, and she did tell Kane, she did tell him if he so, knows anything to, to let, to let, to let, to definitely let, to let her know. So yeah, he's a part of this for sure. Tariq. And that automatically rules him out because of David is saying the person who killed Mecca, oh, the person who killed Mecca killed Zeke. He, they was right with each other. That automatically rules him out. That's why she could trust him. Exactly. She knows exactly. that that didn't happen. Um, and then, like, again, I strongly believe that she knows. She may not know, no, but she's starting to get that feeling. When he came in and was like, oh, they both they both were killed by the same gun, she no knows. Because it wasn't her. She didn't kill her own kid. You know, I, I just to make a comment and say, I agree. I also find it funny how Lorenzo reacted this entire episode. When it felt no, as though his cover, his cover was going to get blown, like when they when they when they asked when the guy said he was hired, and then Lorenzo punches him before he could say anything else. That's why I say it was funny to watch that, but uh, it didn't work out for Lorenzo in the end because uh, Kane knows everything. <laughs> and for someone, it was really interesting for someone who's been sat control of the family and has run the business for so long and went to jail and that's a whole different structure of running the business and even running the business from jail he did some real stupid things to, to try to cover this up I'm really like confused as to how you can be so smart for one strategic and then you had months to think about this because this wasn't like the next day this was months after he died right I think three this three or five but it was months after he died three. and this is yep. your story three this is your story of what you can come up with. I just look, I just found this magical ring that he's never worn before. It, it's just, I, uh, right now he's stupid. Oh yeah, he, he's he's definitely stupid and uh, he's on a, uh, he's definitely on a timer in this season, in my opinion. So I can't wait to see, uh, you know, how, how his demise takes place but yeah it's going to be very entertaining to watch uh let, let's move on a little bit so there is um something else in, very important in this episode that we need to touch on uh because i know you know a lot of people are going to be talking about it and that is lauren you know and how she came back and everything and how uh, <laughs> how she survived you know so um Obviously, it was very uh, convenient and it was a little bit of incompetence from Brayden and Effie, you know, pushing the car into the into the water or whatever. And then, uh, you know, some dog walker. Um, I, I don't know why he's walking the dog at nighttime, but, but yeah, he was walking his dog. <laughs> and uh, that must no, be a you nocturnal, gotta walk a nocturnal dog. dog. No, you remember them having a dog. You got to walk them because I, they have to poop. Know, but... They have to pee. It's good for the digestive. No, a lot of dog walking occurs at night. Okay. And for, again, what time at night? Because remember, I'm not sure what happens in London with y'all times, but be like here in America, it'd be like dark at five o'clock. So how night is night? Don't know. And yeah. plus, you don't know people's time schedules. So two and three at night, people be up. I don't know this man's time. Maybe he's doing some coke. Maybe the dog doing coke. They need to go for a run. I'm, I'm just going to say it's a nocturnal dog. I'll say that. You know, that, That's how I rationalize it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a special nocturnal breed of dog. So 
that's why he was, he was walking the dog um and yeah he, he saw the car and uh now we see that you know they they he called the cops they pulled uh lauren out the car and she's alive and uh at the very start of the the show we see uh jeanette sullivan is a uh, um you know uh, jenny sullivan is questioning her and stuff talking to her and she's basically trying to get her to be the witness in the case i guess um but lauren's stance is that you know all of this is effie and uh brayden you know she's putting all of her focus on those two and when when she when uh, jenny shows her tariq's file um you know she her her stance is basically I, you know, I, I have no evidence, I have no proof that he's involved at all. So it seems like she she might know that he is involved, but um, she's protecting him. And of course, Tariq didn't actually give the order to do that because he cared for her. He wanted to protect her, but she knows that there's something not right about Tariq and that he's involved in, in things. So, you know, the question I have is, you know, um, do you think do you think that Lauren is going to protect Tariq, you know, in this? Because she kind of she's in a position where she owes uh Jenny a favor because they they did kind of save her life. Um, and we know that she does want Effie to 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 be punished for this. But you know, is she going to spare Tariq or is she going to end up giving up important information? Because there are various things they could question her about, you know, that Tariq has done in the past, but she doesn't have to say, you know, she doesn't have to give them the information they they want. So what do you think about Lauren and, you know, the whole thing with her? And um, I'm going to go to you first, Dana. What do you think? I'm literally thinking because Lauren has showed her stupidity in the past. Um, but also she's been manipulated in the past and she seems to be a tad bit smarter this time because remember she said every time that I tried to go help you, my life was completely ruined behind it. So she is not someone who is eager to go out and help. The thing is, at the end of the day, regarding the Lauren situation, Tariq has his hands clean. Technically, he didn't say Lauren has to go. He really likes, like he loves her. So I'm wondering whether or not she's going to actually hold on to that and know that, you know, their friendship or relationship where he wouldn't have been the one who tried to kill her. But at the same time, there were things that she didn't know about him in the first season that she found out later on that she didn't believe and it had to be told to her. Um, so that just that's the one thing that I'm really, I don't know in terms of, I don't feel that she's going to try to help them right away. We already seen that. Also, how messed up is it that your parents really think you're dead, dead, and you're alive? That, that's just. And also another thing, Effie from from the theory of Jenny, right? It was Effie. Well, also whatever with Lauren as well. She keeps saying that it was Effie who tried to kill her. So you put her in some form of what a witness protection to protect her from a teenager. It's not like she's a teenager who's tied to a bigger gang who can send out people to further kill Lauren. It's just a teenager. So that was also a little bit weird to me, um, to go to such drastic steps 
for a teenager who you think may be working with Tariq, who is another teenager. So a bit weird. Um, but, and not to say teenagers can't be dangerous. We all know the case of teenagers killing other teenagers. But just in this aspect, it was a bit weird. I do feel, well, I do hope that her goal is to get Effie. And I think that they will come to an understanding, her and Jenny, that they have to work together. So she may have to do things that she doesn't want to in order to get Effie. Remember, the goal is to build the case for her. It's to, it's to prove that it was Effie. Now, for Jennifer, or Jenny, what is the child name? I don't know. J-Lo, her point is to get everyone charged under the RICO thing. So I think there has to be compromise between the two. And we'll, we'll probably see that in the upcoming episodes. But I do feel that she's going to be stupid and find somebody's phone that Jenny leaves behind and will start doing a text or a beeper. Well, remember, remember what we saw in the uh, clip that, what was it, Lauren has a beeper or she went, it wasn't a gun. She went to go pull out, looked like a phone that could belong to Lauren. So I think there's a connection with that. I don't know when, but I feel like that's coming up. Yeah. Yeah, interesting points. Um, Rich, you got anything on this? Yes. Um, my personal opinion, uh, I don't think that Lauren is going to give up anything on Tariq. We have to remember, and I think that you both said very well in the last episode, Lauren is sort of like, this would be, uh, you know, Tariq's version of Angela. It's like the perfect match for him. This is who he loves and cares about. We saw a lot of that in the previous seasons. You saw even, even she even had a chance to meet his sister, Yaz. So I kind of feel like they have a deeper connection than him and Effie. And I kind of feel like at the end of the day, as Dana said, Tariq had nothing to do with, with any of this stuff, with, with them trying to take out uh, her. So I kind of feel like she would do everything that she can to protect Tariq. She would not mention anything about knowing what's happening with him. But I, I do feel as though she will definitely learn more about Tariq this season. May not be some positive things, but I still don't see her turning on, on turning on him at the end of the day. One, one thing I do want to say, though, is now that they have told us as viewers that she knows that Effie is responsible there is no way this season ends with both of those characters still alive. So either something will happen to Lauren towards the end of the season, or Effie is going to get taken out at some point. I feel like one of those characters, either they, they either are going to be alive or maybe something else happens to them and they're no longer a part of this story. But there's no way both of those characters are going to still be around by the end of this season because it, kind of, it wouldn't make any sense, I would say unless they have Lauren just completely isolated the entire season and she never ever interacts with Tariq, with, with, uh, Tariq again. But I kind of feel like you can't have both of those characters still around because she knows Effie is responsible. So at some point she will definitely work with Jenny to try to get Effie. But uh, I just want to see how they tell that story because I'm thinking you need evidence I don't know where they're going to get any of that information from, but I I, I do want to say uh, from a viewer standpoint, I think because she knows who tried to kill her, 
She knows that Braden is also involved. There's no way that this season can end without some resolution to that particular storyline. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> go ahead, Ada. Yeah, go ahead. So we already know that Effie, not Effie, yep, Effie is starting to screw up a little bit with this season. Remember the whole situation with, with the very end with her selling the drugs at Stanfield and recreating course correct, going completely uh -huh. against Tariq's wishes? Well, see, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because when I saw that scene, I saw that she had an option to click the button to share and she didn't she didn't click the button yet. So maybe she's leaning in that direction towards doing that. But she hasn't done She's it already yet. selling at Stanfield. The goal oh, was yeah. to not sell at Stanfield and she's yeah. already doing that. She reset yeah. up the app and while right now she's not she didn't click the button. She's got I feel that she wants to that she's leaning that way. Why recreate something? No, no, yeah. you're, 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 you're right, because I did see when she did separate the drugs, she did have a package for Stansfield also. She had yeah. Stansfield, she yeah. had Harvard, Yale, all these different places. Um, but my thing is, is this. She already is starting to work behind Tariq's back, right? What happens if Lauren gets away, because I feel she's going to genuinely contact Tariq first more than her parents because she's stupid. But she's going to end up contacting Tariq, right? He, I think the worst thing he can do is to be angry and start this big explosion thing, but to be quiet and to figure out as much information as he can. And then the fact that Lauren is working, is going against what he said, and she's working on her own, I feel that it'll already put the seeds in his mind well, if she's capable of doing this, she may be capable of, of killing Lauren. Every time he you comes to her, you know, I miss Lauren. And she's kind of, she's always trying to change the subject. She does it gently, but she's always trying to change the subject. And she, she's not being truthful to him. And we, I do believe when we get a, conf we get a confrontation scene, eventually. Um, again, when you go back to the trailer, remember she was pulling out something Remember, she said, I got to tell you something. And she was pulling out something. Whether it's I have to tell you something, she pulls out her phone to show I restarted course correct. Or that was a whole we, we killed Lauren situation. But I do feel that he is going to know from Lauren. She's going to reach out from him. And the fact that she's already working opposite, against him in this episode is going to just pile on to, well, why should you know? You Obviously, you did it because you, you always you've been lying. You started with the drugs and then you, you killed my girl. What's really going on? So I think that we've seen Tariq act out of anger in the first episode when he killed um, that guy's name. Bash. 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 When he when he bashed bashed his stomach in with his knife. <laughs> we saw him act we saw that streak of like anger thing. I wonder if that's going to be a repeat. Or is it foreshadowing what's to come involving either Lauren or Brayden? Because remember, Brayden also had a hand in this as well. So, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, I also find it interesting how in this episode, Brayden was the one that said, hey, Effie, we need we need to tell Tariq the truth. So and that's what I hated. Yeah. 
No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. What like, you wouldn't, wouldn't you wouldn't you wait until someone is at least 10 seconds away out of the door? <laughs> if he walked out the door, yo, we got to tell him we killed him. Well, no. I mean, well, is the door even closed? You, you, you know, but you're, you're 100% right. But but when it comes to time in this show, um, we can say the same thing about the scene where Lauren was found because this happened at nighttime. You know, now there wasn't anything said about how much time has passed. But clearly, when you saw Effie push the car into the river, I looking at that as a viewer, I'm like, maybe maybe that was like five minutes later. This is when the guy shows up and he sees it. So but that's why I said the time. But if you looked at how the car was pushed in and you saw how shallow it was, that wasn't yeah. like the ocean. That was like, it looked like, um, I don't know, a lake. <laughs> a lake. Push yep. it off the, exactly. the, the, the lake thing. I wonder if she genuinely... Oh, sorry, excuse me. If she genuinely wanted to kill her. I, that's what I'm wondering. Because it was done so sloppily. That's a great question. I mean, I feel like Brayden and Effie struggled with that decision because you remember that they kept going back and forth over who was going to do it. So, but they only but they only did it because Kane was the one that said, Hey, you need to kill her. You know, she had that wire, you need to get rid of her. So uh I, I'm pretty sure they did. They wasn't comfortable doing any of that, but uh, it, it it will come back on them now because she knows that they were involved. So I want to see how that storyline plays out. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. That that's going to be another. Uh, you know, it's going to be another uh, story similar to the Lorenzo Kane one, where it's it's going to be you know very very entertaining seeing it unfold like seeing all the lies unravel and i do i do agree with what uh, dana said i think um i think somehow Tariq and lauren are going to be back in touch with each other again eventually i think i think Tariq is going to learn that she is alive um i do wonder how jenny plans to roll that out because like you said dana that is a little like you know it's a little evil to to have her be alive and not like being in contact with her family and all that stuff and not have the world know that she's alive. Um, but they, I guess they really want to get Tariq. So that's the justification. But, um, but yeah, I, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, all of this story. On they, yeah. they wasn't building a Rico case beforehand. Right, because right. they yeah. were they trying to build a so was it like we're gonna put you in witness protection because of the Rico case? Like I'm um, like the, the, it, took, it seems weird. <coughs> yeah, my understanding is they yeah they want her to be a witness, um, I guess, um, and they they I think uh, Jenny wanted to pin it on Tariq, like she wanted her to you know basically say Tariq was the one that did this to you. But uh, obviously, Lauren knows different. But what was you going to say, Rich? And once again, Dana, need versus greed, because they are greedy to take down everybody at whatever cost uh, they, they they have to go to. So that's the same theme once again. But yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's uh, move on a little bit, just because. Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, so we talked. We talked about that already. Um, so yeah, I mean, let, let's get to your questions because uh, the the other thing I have here is just a theory, but I, I I believe that one of you might bring it up anyway. So I'll piggyback off of you. But uh, I know you two had some 
some things that you wanted to uh, discuss as well. So I definitely want you to get that in in there before we end off. So uh, let's go to uh, you first, Richard. What what was uh, the question that you had to ask? Well, I, I just want to I, I I want to uh, po- uh, you know shout out two comments that were left, and then I'm going to ask my question because the question is a uh, it has to do with the same subject. But let me go off topic for a second. We had a comment from Anti Mike Eleven. He said Tariq stay spending his drug money on clothes and still not driving. So let me just say this. I hope now that they're making more money with, uh, you know, Wall Street or whatever, I hope Tariq does get a car because we can agree he needs a car. Everybody has a car but Tariq. So uh, hopefully he gets something for himself. Um, that's one comment. The other comment, once again, Jeremiah Lutumbe, and this is a great comment. He said, uh, I don't know if anyone has noticed this, but Tariq has all the power right now because if Kane or the Tahadas try to screw him over, which might happen down the road, he could just tell Noma that Monet killed Mecca. That's a great comment because uh, it's accurate, right? And we do know that there will be at some point be a showdown between Monet and Noma. I think we can all agree that's probably going to happen because this was his fiance, this is the other person he wanted to be with. So we'll see how that plays out. But now here is the question that I was going to ask, and it has to do with everything related to Jenny Sullivan. Uh, Now, again, we notice in this episode that Jenny Sullivan mentions that she has a CI that will be reporting on whenever something happens. So my question is, who do y'all think the CI is? Because I have a thought as to who it could be. But again, I'm very curious to hear what you both have to say about this, as well as the commenters, because they said that for a reason. And I think that's going to be a reveal that we get in the future to, I guess, shake things up a little bit. So Gary or Dana, whoever wants to go first, let me know who you who you think it is. It's that girl. Which girl? The one working at Tim Tate's in Tate's place. The one where they they swapped internships. Ah, okay. Okay. Mm, That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's 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 somebody. Um, okay. They finally got out of the classroom. So yeah, it'd be more interactive. Well she well she now that she's involved with Tate working in his organization, now she'll, you know, she gets to see how grimy he is, and maybe she may have to do some grimy things as well. You know, maybe. We'll see. She's the Um, wife. (laughs) <laughs> I don't so, know. We'll so, see. Go ahead. So, ahead, Rich, uh, real quick, uh, can you remind me the context of that conversation? Because I had thought that she meant her CI was Lauren, but like, what was the context of that of that conversation? Like, well, when she when she mentioned that. See, here's the thing. I was a little confused about that because when she mentions the CI, talking about she's going to get information from this person. Uh, now it could have been Lauren, right? But I, I don't think it is Lauren because Lauren didn't give her any information in this episode. Obviously she asked Lauren, Hey, what do you know about Tariq? And she wasn't able to help in any way, shape or form in regards to that. And so I don't think it's Lauren. Um, I think there could be somebody else that they have that is watching and monitoring the situation of what's actually happening with everybody at Stansfield. Uh, so if I had to make a guess as to who the CI is, 
and again, I could be wrong. Again, I, I haven't watched any episodes. This is just my a guess. I think that it's the TA. And the reason why I say that is because they emphasize in this episode, he always has his eyes on, on Diana. We always think, oh, it's going to be some romantic relationship happening with these two characters. But he's obviously getting closer to Diana slowly but surely. And we know that Diana is seen as, a, 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 as an innocent person, right? Who obviously she knows about some of the stuff that goes on with her family, but she is not her family. She's trying to do her own thing and separate herself from the family. So in order to do that, they need someone to get close to somebody with the idea that that person can then reveal or turn on the family later. So I personally think it could be the teacher's assistant that is behind this because we don't know a lot about the character yet. We just know he's at the school teaching and he's helpful. He's talking about all this stuff about pro-black, all this other type of stuff. But I feel there's more to that character that they haven't revealed yet. So that would be my guess as to who it could be. But again, that's just my guess. I, I don't know. I haven't seen any episodes, so I have no idea. But go ahead. Have we seen Braden's sister again? We did see her in this episode in the class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, I, but she doesn't seem like a family very much. And and she knows the connection between Tariq. Yep. So maybe remember yep. she was getting she was becoming friendly with um what was it uh, no Diana. Mm -hmm. So they're roommates. I don't know. It's a stretch. That one is a very big stretch. But I'm just trying to think of the new characters that were introduced because I don't um, think it's an old character. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and so when she said that she has a CI, did she specifically say that it's at Stansfield, or did she? Was it? Could it be anywhere? Okay. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anywhere. She did. She, she did. She did. Yeah. She didn't mention a specific location. Obviously, no. if anyone watched the show, they can they can let me know if I'm wrong. I, I'm just making a guess as to, because because again, Lauren. It would be too easy for her to just get information out of Lauren, right? Will Lauren admit, oh, yeah, Tariq is behind that. But Lauren doesn't remember some stuff. And we saw at the beginning of this episode, you know, they had this whole thing, oh, you might not remember stuff, but Lauren remembers everything that happened. But so clearly... And she wouldn't didn't get see, I mean, embedded? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's see, what I mean. What's because, Lauren's been in the house. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I said, because they need to investigate what's happening to try to get some information. So that's why I assume that's who it is, but uh, I could be wrong. But so you have so. the professor. The professor is new. You have the TA yep. is new. Yep. You have the sister is new. And you have Kiki, and like which is going to be my guess. Oh. Ah, Kiki. Because if, if remember, like Brayden testified um, at the end of last uh, season, so yes. you know that 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 thinking could and, be that they have somebody around where Braden's going to be, and he's working with his family. So that that makes a lot of sense, Gary, because Braden is a person of interest. Uh, what better way to find out what's happening with him and his family by having someone who works at Weston Holdings who can get information from them? And what we do know about the Kiki character is, just like anybody, she she does want a paycheck, you know, so. I I don't know. I don't know. But I, I like your guess, though. I like your guess, Rich, that uh, Talim 
I, I like that guess. I think that's a good guess, though. Yeah. Well, go, go, go ahead, Dana. Go ahead, Dana. No, she has the extra motive because she can't stand those guys. They're racist. Mm -hmm. Yep. The Tiki mm -hmm. Torch thing was really hilarious. I like that scene. That was really great. <laughs> Over the top, but great. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny how, how Braden set that up. But yeah, um, I wonder, they're definitely, I need, I need the people to chime in on this one. Like, let us know who you think is the CI, because that is a great point. And that, that kind of went over my head. I didn't even realize, you know. But yeah, um, that's, a, that, that's a good question for the people. Let us know who you think is Jenny's criminal informant in the show. Um, and Dana, you had, uh, I, I believe you had a point that you wanted to bring up as well. It was an observation that I had. So remember when Monet is sitting on the chair, the same chair with the same expression, watching Judge Faith. This is the case, this is real. Like This was a case where young Jock, the rapper, sued his, his business manager, actually, for $6,000 and defamation of character. And so what we've seen, we're on the second episode, though, this woman seems to only watch just the, the Judge Face show. And if you look at it, the court proceeding, getting justice, I think that it's, you know, it's a projection of what she's doing and how she's feeling. Her constantly watching this court show, strong black woman as a judge, and she's giving all these, these rulings and she's, you know, taking law in her hands. So I really feel that that is a projection. And then also a weird connection because I like to go down the rabbit hole of things. Young Jock's episode, which was real, was about him suing his manager for $6,000 and also defamation of character, which goes back to the first episode of Zeke's character was defamed. Remember, he was an all-star basketball player, and then he was tied to, like, the murders. And remember the, very the, remember the episode kind of ended with you have to change the narrative of the story in order to, you know, because people will always believe that negative, so they have to go out and change the narrative of the story. And being the fact that she's watching this case about defamation of character, essentially, I just saw it as like this projection where it's a symbolic representation. And I just thought it was really funny because young Jock stands out just no matter what. He's entertaining no matter what. So that was the, the case that they decided to focus on to him in the back with his coiffed hair looking like a 50 singer. So yeah, that was just a, a point that an observation that I really liked from this episode. It's just in the background while um, Davis is talking and handing her the file. No, that, that is a great observation. And, you know, it's, it's little things like that, that often kind of um, shows you the mind state of the character and stuff. So you know, just even just the fact that she's watching that show all the time, like that's, you know, that's a cool little observation there. And that could be, it, it could be setting up something or it could be alluding to something that's going to happen later on down the line. Or it could show you it that could be you know, she's, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, go, go, go. Sorry. No, I was going to say it could be showing that, you know, she, she is, uh, like you were saying earlier, she is thinking in layers, like layers ahead of what she's showing kind of thing and that she doesn't truly believe everything she's being told. So, but yeah, what was you going to uh -huh. say? 
So basically that she's going to probably have to take justice into her own hands and, you know, killing that guy. Let's really think about it overall. Even if she, she is slowly figuring out who killed her son, he's a disposable character to begin with. And also, wouldn't she look weak if she didn't kill him? And then also on top of that, she's emotional and angry. So that, that, that whole scene was the most logical for her, her and her reaction. She just didn't want to hear anymore. And then overall, even if you know that somebody's lying, whether it be Lorenzo or Kane, you don't want to hear anymore. So you just kill the person. Quick and easy. And then she yelled at them, you clean this up. So she's still keeping in the same Monet-ish ways. She's not showing her cards, which is really... Only person she actually showed her cards to was Tariq. She wasn't... She didn't yell at him because usually she's bossy and yelly and attitude -y. She came to him like a human being. Help me. And so, yeah. I don't think she trusts her family. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, even, even with uh, Kane and Drew, it's like... She she didn't even like really care about the apartment. She was just she was just like, Yeah, you guys you, you two take the apartment. I don't care anymore. You know? It's like she she's been very mm -hmm. like not not uh participating with the family, but when it came to Tariq, she actually had an uh like an honest conversation with him, you know. And she hasn't really mm -hmm. done that with anyone else in the family. So that's a great point. But yeah, Rich, did you have uh, anything you wanted to say on this? Uh, on this topic uh, oh no um, I agree with Dana made an excellent observation because I did you know I, I went back and I watched the scene and, and yeah I, I think that was an excellent observation as, as you also said Gary it's a, it shows you the character's state of mind so I think they did a good job as far as you giving giving you ideas as to what she's thinking but um, I don't have anything else to add I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing how a lot of this stuff plays out on the show sure and then also don't forget the fact that Whitman knows that and told her that we have you on on camera leaving yes. Carrie's apartment so we're forgetting about that detail so I'm wondering how that comes into play as well and if they really are doing this Rico case I don't know anything about law and Rico's even though from like BMF um if Whitman does die wouldn't that add even more suspicion to Monet. So well, even though you're like, I'm sure he's gonna die, I don't I don't think it's a smart move. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Uh the only reason why I think the character is going to die is because we know that he is a very hard headed character. As far as him not listening to Jenny and Blanca and doing whatever he wants to do when Jenny tells him don't do something and then he does the exact opposite. Because like I said, he's very aggressive very obsessed with bringing down Carrie's killer and, and, and understandably so because he's operating from the guilt that he has making her feel as though she was behind what happened with, with all this stuff that, that, that went down. So I, I totally get the motivation but that's why I say something will happen to that character at some point because and maybe it's not a situation where Monet kills him. He can end up in the crosshairs and get taken out because of other stuff that's happening of somebody else going after Monet and the family as well. But we'll have to see how it plays out. But I just feel like this character is very obsessed. So that obsession will definitely lead to a uh, unfavorable outcome for him, in, 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 I, I think, by the end of this uh, season. 
Yeah. And oh, I another. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go. No, go ahead. I was gonna just bring up the fact that um, Monet's an even more doo-doo, as well as Davis, because Sachs and his nosy effort of being nosy, he went through Davis's office and found the cell phone, the burner, that tied directly to Monet. Remember, he called it, and it was directly to Monet. That was right after she killed. I think it was after she killed the guap guy. She said, I don't need your help anymore, thinking that it was um, Davis. Yep, yep. So that is also an extra. So I wonder how this ties into Redman. Because remember, he's the brother with the hep- all the hepatitises who needs to get out of jail. They're hiding information from each other like they're scorned lovers. So this should be interesting. That that and and we can also say that Sachs is doing the exact the exact same thing with with, with Jenny Sullivan, because they both are withholding information from each other for a reason. So uh, I'll be curious to see what happens. Um, because you because you remember when he called when 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 Kevin confronted Monet and harassed her, then Sachs called Jenny and said, "Hey, it's Kevin Whitman working on this," and you saw her expression her expression. Oh no, he found out. So I can't wait to see how this all comes to a head because clearly a lot of people are playing their own games with their own motives and agenda. So at mm-hmm. some point, though, it, it, every, everything catches up to every character. So I, I look forward to seeing how that all plays out. Yeah. And I, I, did, I did have a, one last point I wanted to make as well that kind of ties in to the Rico. So like in Rico cases, they get to use this thing called a conspiracy where they can tie in a lot of different um, acts that, you know, the, the people they're investigating have been involved in. Um, and, you know, if they could, as long as they have enough evidence, they can tie in a lot of different uh, things to the case. Now, um, I say that to say that, uh, you know, the, we, we saw what happened with the personal trainer where Drew pushed him into the road and the, the truck, you know, ran over him. Now, that could go down as just a, a, a simple road accident, but I don't think it's going to be that simple because if they do some digging and find out that this guy, you know, works at like with the Westerns and stuff like that, that could be something that they also try to attach to this case and do some more digging on. And, you know, if they dig far enough, they might even find out what's going on with the new hustle, you know, that, that uh, Tariq and Braden are, are getting into. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, I feel like that could be something that, that comes back in into play. Go ahead, Dana. Wasn't, wasn't Rico also what they tried to get with Takashi? Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot oh, of the gang okay. a lot of the gang cases now, they're all Rico's, like the, the young thug ah. and gunner one, that's that's Rico as well. So yeah, Rico's are, are pretty big at the moment. And and it's also what they use to take down John Gotti. So. Right, right, for the mob thing. But instead yeah. they caught him on a wasn't it racketeering? Something that they use with racket yeah. Look at you being smart, Gary. <laughs> Knowing American law. And- yeah, I, I just uh, I watch a lot of criminal documentaries, so but yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see them build the case, though. But uh, but yeah, that's that's all I had. Uh, any final thoughts then on that before we uh, wrap up? 
not on that per se, but I don't trust the uncle. Uncle, whatever, the white man who, who works at the law firm or the, the regular firm. It's not law. It's firm firm. Anyway, I don't trust him because he knows the situation of what's going on with Tariq. He was very eager to throw in that diversity card. And I think that he wants something from him. And I am wondering if it's to get in on this drug business and so that there can be a, not only just a larger expansion, but for that he can get money too. Because if we're going with greed and need, they're very greedy in Wall Street. So why not have income coming from multiple sources? That from the firm of which you own that is yours. And also with this drug situation. That way, remember he said, oh, my uncle can give you a really great uh, recommendation. And he's in on this, this family who has everything that Tariq would need. So why not have, there's something that I feel that he's not saying that he is, he's purposely being observant and he is purposely allowing Tariq to work there. Because if he was to say no as well, Tariq would not have worked there. I don't feel that this family is doing anything out of the generosity of their heart. They want something from him. Remember, even when they was, what was this last season, when he was up there and they were doing that shooting thing, I don't know, hunting, whatever it is that they was doing, they still wanted something from him. So I feel that this is, the, there's something that's going on with this family or even just with the uncle alone, where he's going to end up using Tariq in some form or fashion, maybe he has to cut him in on the drug situation because at the end of the day, he can pen it and say, oh, you're the one who's distributing drugs to everyone in my firm. So therefore it would force Tariq to work with him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I actually think the uncle is gonna try and make like a, a power play for the company or something like that. Like, and he might actually use Tariq and Brayden to help him. I don't know. But um, I feel like there's a, there's kind of some sort of power struggle between him and Brayden's dad. So um, maybe we can see yeah. something like that play out. Yeah, Gary. Right. Uh, succession, which returns <laughs> this upcoming weekend. So, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, th- this is totally <laughs> succession. Like, this, this whole sub storyline, it feels like succession. Uh, yeah, uh, did did you have anything further to say on that though about uh, the uncle? Okay, and how about you, Rich? Any uh, final thoughts or you know anything we didn't mention at all? Oh no, um, I'm I I thought it was a pretty good episode. I I think that they've given us a lot to think about in terms of all of these different storylines, and I agree. Dana's point that she made earlier about it does make sense why it's fast paced if they are trying to match how Wall Street operates, all the things that happen. So I, in those regards, yes, I I definitely am looking forward to seeing what happens from here on out. But yeah, I I enjoyed the episode. There's a lot of juicy storylines, so I can't wait to see how these things progress. But uh, looking forward to it. Still a good season so far, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, Dana lives in, uh, you know, the city of Wall Street. So she's used to the hustle and bustle and the fast pace. You know, I, I had to kind of get used to, you know, this whole fast pace of so, the show. So 
That was 42nd Street where you got kidnapped by the um, people dressed in costumes. Oh, yeah. See, you, you caught onto it right away. You caught onto that right away in an instant. So you already knew what was going on. So <laughs> It was insane how quickly they caught on and just knew you was a tourist. You didn't even say anything. They just snatched you and you was down the street. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, I, I thought... Uh... I thought I walked out into Disney or something, like because they they had all those costumes. I, I was like, "Wow, they got Disney in New York." I was like, "Wow," you know. So, <laughs> but yeah, they, Dana helped me out. She pulled me away, so it's all good. But um, they was throwing him in a trunk of the car. I had to like yank him. <laughs> no, they, they they can't do that. No, Noma would have come and got me. No, that's uh, not big sis. <laughs> But, um, what's in Paris is the big question yeah yeah I think I do believe that's another thing we're going to get answers to next week I think we'll, we're going to know where she was this episode why she wasn't there I feel like they'll have a reason to explain that but um, but yeah so that is going to be it for this week uh, let us know your thoughts and theories in the comments people also hit the like button subscribe hit the bell, all that good stuff. Check out all the other channels, Coalition Gaming, Coalition Entertainment. Um, and yeah, that is going to be it for this week, but we will return next week. So look after yourselves and yeah, um, get get well soon, Dana, also. Oh yeah, thank you very much. And also, Effie and Diana, stop being jealous of each other. Mm. You, so you you think uh you think it's some kind of rivalry between them? Is it all about Tariq or is there is there more to it than that? I think it's about I think we're gonna, we're going to be surface and and act like teenagers. So it's about Tariq. You saw how she was looking at at Effie, look at when he was with Tariq. Mm. So yeah, that was it hiding all in the closet, staring in the corner, Mm-mm. a little jealous. <laughs> He's broke and half. Maybe she doesn't want him to know that they that she works there. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was some of that, but also the jealousy too. But I definitely think she didn't want them to know that. Oh, she now she has this job. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what it felt like to me. And then also, it's really interesting. This is what bothers me. Tariq was willing to help um, Effie. Remember, oh, if you ever need any money, I got you. But meanwhile. Yeah. Lauren is sitting here struggling, having to borrow books. Diana. Boo you. Diana, I mean. So boo you. Yeah. And uh, and look at uh, Dana extending the show here, because now I I have another thought that came to mind. (laughs) (laughs) Something that came to my mind earlier, and now I just remembered. Um, Like when you were saying that, that Effie that Effie or Lauren can't survive. Um, you know, yeah. that one of them, I don't know if it was that you that said that, Rich? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like when you said uh, either one of them, you know, what, like one of them has to go, they can't both survive. Um, like a thought that came to mind for me was that it seems like Kane has a fondness for Effie. So I'm wondering yep. if maybe, you know, the, the resolution is that... Um, he kind of like adopts her as his kind of you know side project, like like his um, second in command or something, and and maybe you know Kane 
goes his own way and and they stop working with Tariq or something like that. That could be another, you know, sort of a pathway yep. for them to go down. That that makes a ton of sense because yeah, he already has a crush on her. Um, and I and, and I and I did make a comment to one of our commenters that I, I feel like uh, if when when Kane finds out that Lauren is still alive, right? I kind of feel like he would be a little bit more lenient towards Effie as far as the situation is concerned. But if Brayden is the one that tells him this, oh, he would be ready to, he would probably beat the hell out of Brayden and take, because again, he likes Effie more. So, but clearly Brayden will get blamed for this because he was supposed to be doing this. He's been telling Kane this whole time. Yeah, we killed her, all this other stuff. So I, I kind of feel like, um, we'll see where that goes, but, uh, Stay tuned, because a lot of these questions, I'm, I'm assuming, will get answered. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're trying to find Effie right now outside of Dana's apartment. So, <laughs> But yeah, um, that was a little extended uh, conversation right there. But uh, we do need to leave now. So, uh, you know, peace out, everyone. Take care of yourselves, and we will be back next week.